0: hi everyone welcome to see me hear me love me and I'm gonna take a lot of shortcuts this month so uh, bear with me there'll be some typical podcasts with guests but in the meantime I'm digging deep into the archives and sharing some thoughts and insights from me just so that I can preserve a little bit of sanity and balance through the month of December so welcome back and um, I'm here to say that my visit to the NAEYC National Conference in Nashville was amazing. It was interesting and inspiring. And after decades of being in this magnificent field, I can't believe how lucky I am to still collaborate with early childhood educators, to be inspired by everything they do day in and day out. There's still so much growing and learning all around me, and I'm so lucky to be a part of it. So just to share with you, because so many people have been asking, let me tell you about the wonderful, amazing, big takeaways that I had. Well, they're not even big and amazing. They are confirmations of everything that we are doing and we want to continue to be doing. I think that absolutely nature play is the way of the future, that getting kids outside, getting our classrooms outside, getting our um, awareness to interacting multi in the natural world will bring about greater emotional intelligence. It will make us all better stewards of this planet and of our environments, and it gives us the best and most amazing tools that we could possibly ever have to uh, for young children to learn and grow. On the side of that, um, I found small parts toys is the secret. I mean, we love the messiness of it. We love the discovery of it. We love The the limitless potential um, that quantity and pieces and um, found objects bring to children's play. I also, even in terms of nature play, surprisingly, there was tons of... curriculum and resources at all of the vendors that had to do with light and with reflection. So I'm, I'm looking for all the toys now that have reflective properties and that capture light in interesting ways. Uh, because again, it's just in a very highly visual world how exciting for our children to be able to um, go deep into perception and experience and problem solving. The other takes of nature and outside is absolutely one of the big trends and insights of the conference. The second seems like a contradiction, but it's not. And that is technology, but it's technology that supports play and problem solving. Technology isn't about um, having a certain tool or app or program. It's about giving children the resources of a smart, smart, smart world that then brings things that are not in the immediate and present into children's lives, whether that's through projections, through research, through talking to people across the globe, to being able to have relationships and personal curiosity define our use of technology and to have that technology then support the learning process. So I have um, a great speaker coming up this month. So we will return to that in the weeks ahead. And then the last one, I think, was my first aha moment from the conference, and it is the one that was the most profound, and it was from the introductory keynote speaker, Dr. Gail Christopher. And so much of a priority at the national meetings and the national agenda has to do with equity in early childhood. Equity of access, equity of resources, to, to, t- to try to be there to offset the trauma and the struggles um, that so many of our young children face because of environments and inequity issues. But what was very personal about the equity discussion for me is that it went right to the cornerstone of everything I know and believe about communicating, communicating with peers, with parents, and even with children, and that is to be deeply aware of the stories that shape what we think, what we believe, how we communicate it, and the messages that we're capable of hearing. And so one of the things that Dr. Christopher talked about was that any positive change in the world is going to come about, yes, through legislation, yes, through good programs and policies, but more importantly, it's going to come through at the intimate level of person to person, family to family, family to teacher, and teacher to anybody and everybody that the teachers um, will encounter, and that we need cultural humility, that we need a humility about what we know, what we believe, what we think, so that we can hear other people's stories and to really connect, collaborate, and have um, genuine relationships. We know that's the foundation of everything that has to do with young children learning, and how life-changing to see my field, this profession, stand behind um, creating opportunities, strategies, and avenues for us to have a cultural humility in our teaching and in, our, um, in how we approach all children, families, schools, and culture. So bravo and thank you to the National Association of Education of Young Children for once again, um, inspiring me to continue to work hard and to be really, really proud of being in this profession. So back to the podcast for today. Uh, I, I picked one from the archives Again, going into December, which can be such a stressful month. And it is from episode number 129 on the power of comfort objects. Because whether we're talking about um, grown-up comfort or children's comfort, we know that feeling safe, protected, and loved becomes the foundation of all of our ability to to be creative, to be problem solvers, to be learners. And so how exciting is this to have adults sitting around the podcast table talking about the value and meaning of comfort objects in their lives and knowing that it's a vital and essential tool that we give our children to be able to hold something tangible, to hug something, to hold... um, that support in our hands so that we know we are never alone and that the people who love us are always there for us. So, here it is a rebroadcast of episode number 129 The Comfort of Power Objects. Have a great week. Happy December. And remember, as you, whether you are shopping or whether you are creating rituals and traditions for your family in this busy month of celebration and family that what your children remember will never be what you hope they will remember. If you think back to what memories your parents wanted you to hold on to and value, you'll discover that the things they thought were going to be the most significant, you've forgotten or you bypassed. And it's the Um, the walk around the neighborhood or the feel of a certain chair or visiting somebody's house and a magical corner in it. Um, Just remember that your children are going to form their memories from the times they are deeply present in um, your celebrations, your holidays, your traditions. Uh, Repetition does help solidify the traditions and the the tangible love that you want children to know and feel. But don't get caught up on too much memory making. Um, Children, because they are the people they are, are going to find the memories that have that really special stickiness in their lives. So don't be stressed. It's all going to be okay. And have a great week. And I will see you next week with another podcast. Bye. Today's podcast is The Power of Comfort Objects. I believe in comfort objects. Those well-loved, stinky, frayed lovies are part of the magic of childhood. They breathe life and love in and through inanimate objects. What I didn't know is how many grown-ups still have their babas and their lovies. Since the 1950s, psychologists have encouraged the use of these transitional objects as a foundation for secure emotional development and attachment. A new study found that 60% of children have comfort objects, and 35% of adults still have them. I'm excited to talk about the power of the comfort objects with three amazing parents today, some of whom still have their babas. Welcome to Jen Rosenberg, Michelle Scheer, and Dustin Kebre. Dustin, you are a licensed marriage family therapist from Boca Raton Counseling Center. You are also a dad married to someone who still has her comfort object. So I'd like you to get us started. Tell us about comfort objects in your world and your life.
1: Alright, well thank you Karen for having me here. So I've gotten permission, a disclaimer from my wife, um, who's also a licensed therapist. And she has what she calls a Nike.
0: A Nike. A Nike.
1: So her Nike is um, ripped silk material from her grandma's pajamas. And she's had it since I've known her and she's had it most of her life. And it's it's her comfort. Um... Uh, object and she uses it um i was telling you before that you know i used to make sure it was on her pillow under her pillow when she came home and if we traveled or if we went somewhere um like on vacation she would have her nike okay
0: i just wanted to stop you right there and everybody out there in the audience just go oh (laughs) because the 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 generosity and the and the the sharing of that, to me, is so beautiful. So thank you right. for
1: being um, out of the box on that one. Because- well, you know, myself, I had a TT. I called mine TT, and it was just a little...
2: Mine, mine's DD.
1: DD, okay, TT, DD. <laughs>
2: That's Michelle.
1: And, uh, you know, I, I gave mine up, um, but from the article that you posted, which I thought was a great article about how the attachment, I'll try to put on two hats here as a therapist and personal, um, how the attachment or how the confidence and independence, how that grows by having that object. And, you know, you know, I never, I never thought about the embarrassment. I just thought that I wanted to make my wife or my wife happy. And I wanted her to feel comfort. And that gave me comfort as well.
0: I love it. Now, one of your sons has a comfort object as well. Yes, it's
1: a it's okay. a um, yeah. My my son is uh, two sons. I three and a half and ten months old, and they want they both have blankets. So the ten month old is not as attached yet to the blanket, but he does sleep with it every night. And my three and a half year old has to have it. He's going to sleep at his grandma's tonight, and his gammy and. And he's going to have the blanket there. And it's he, power. he needs it. It's power and presence right. and love personified. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I wanted to mention this. There's a Netflix uh, documentary, the, the Toys That Made Us. Oh, um, oh and, wait, I have to watch that. Cool. And so uh, there's two seasons. The one I the ones I have seen is they had the Star Wars toys, the G.I. Joes, and the, the He-Man toys. And there's a line in He-Man that says i have the power yeah, yeah. and they've done research on on that line and the market research has said that you know kids are you know all day long are told what to do where to go how to sleep what to eat you know the, the rules and everything well having the they want the power they want the power, they want the power. And so i have the power had such draw for for kids that i was obsessed with it i've you know, my, my three-and-a-half-year-old, I've shown He-Man, you know, whether it's appropriate or not, I've shown it to him. He loves to say, I have the power. And so yes. the blanket gives them the power.
0: Power. And it gives them a—it just it enlarges the scope of their connections to the world and their bigness of themselves. I want to come back to all of what you're experiencing, um, and then I want to introduce everybody— but where I want to, what I love about where we're beginning on this is my world. It seems like we talk about those loveys, we talk about the blankets and the teddy bears and all of those sweet things when children are finding ways to self comfort, self soothe, and sleep through the night. Somewhere before that first birthday, somewhere before stranger anxiety, separation anxiety, and all those things come into place, and and that's like positive and powerful. And then the children get close to two, two and a half, three, and it's like. No, I have to take this away. And there's all this anxiety from parents about what's right, what's wrong, is this okay? Now it's in public, it's no longer just our little bed thing. So let me check in on everybody else, on their children and themselves. And then I want to keep flipping um, between these two very important uses of these comfort objects where it starts as children but it threads all the way through who we are as grown-ups in terms of our emotional lives so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. michelle um you still have a lovey in your world yeah and as you mentioned before we put the mic on it's still part of your emotional it's still part of some of your routines it's still part of your life yes i have had
2: my dd or my blankie my whole life I sleep with it every night. I travel with it. It came to college with me. It went on my honeymoon with me. I mean, it it was in the hospital when I gave birth to each of my children. It's now four different pieces. Like you were saying, hers is like shredded, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it is my it is my comfort. It is. Uh, I sleep with it every night, and um, I think it's generational in our family. Because I remember my mother didn't have a blanket, but she had this like comforter, you know, that she would also, if she could, she would travel with it. But it wasn't, you know, a little bit different, you know. But she, but it was what she, you know, had. And I think, and then now my both my daughters have have blankies. My twelve-year-old uh, has one. She's not as attached to it, but she it's this purple blankie, and. Um, and then my younger one has, it's like four little blankets, like the baby blankets that she has to have. She counts them each every night. Do I have I four count of
0: them? them, yes. Yes, she has,
2: she's nine, and they're also called her DDs. Dee so we now have, uh, my sister had one, you know, so it's... <laughs> something like maybe almost even like encouraged in our family because
0: you, you never felt pressure to give this no up my mountain. mom had
2: one my sister had one i mean it was like <laughs> almost like you know what we do you yeah. know it's funny because like we would all bring like when, when my, my me and my sister and my mom, we'd all travel together okay <laughs> so, so and I, when you went this is all as adults by the when way when
0: you went to sleepaways when you got married did you did, was there anything you had to explain to the world or to other people about your no because i only have it at night you you know i don't really
2: sort of whip it out well sometimes i do whip it out on the plane ride or but i mean it's funny like when jared and i backpacked through southeast asia Brought, my, brought one of them. You know, I have four of them so I, I, I only bring one. Right, right. You ripped
1: you rip them? Or no, you they're really already ripped. ripped. Okay, it was yeah. like this
2: big kind of sheet thing so like so now I have like four different. You uh, just made them into little squares so they would pretty, travel. But, right, but yes I don't take all four of them with me wherever I go anymore.
1: Right. Tara, Tara <laughs> would do something similar like have like a little piece of this here so you didn't have to take the main ones. Right, right, little, right, yeah. right. And
2: I always tell my little one like, you know, if we're going away or go, you're sleeping out for them, I'm like, you don't need to take all four you know, because if it gets dirty, you have some clean, <laughs> you know, sure. but yes, it's always been sort of something part of my family to have a comp, you know, to have a blanket. This is so beautiful. I mean, I will tell
0: you, I-, I really think it's generational. I've always believed in transitional objects, which, which to me from the, from the dev- psychology literature was, you know, when a child is between that nine and 18 months, you want them to know that they can hold your love when you're not present. It's not an emotional crutch. It's not a dependency. It is literally a way for young children to hold on from a distance, and so mm-hmm. it well, makes I think sense as, to as me. A, as a clinical social
2: worker, I I never I always sort of in my brain always understood it too. Not as a kid, but yeah. you know, not I don't have the embarrassment about it. I you, you know, mm-hmm. like from a psychology you know clinical perspective, I understand you know the importance of having something that you feel that makes you feel safe or comfortable or um, secure. You know all those you know, those things. I love it. I love
1: it. You know, and, and based on the article, you know it, and I, I'm comparing the article to Tara, my wife, and I see the comparison. You know, Tara is like yourself, strong, independent, um, able to stand on her own. And you know, if they came from her Nike or her D or your DD, you know, who know, who knows direct right. direct correlation, but right. you know, I see the personality, and she's a very strong person. So why would I? Think negatively of it it's for right. my children. It's about competence and capability and, maybe, maybe and that strength. that helps
2: you know you know to think about it even a little bit more. That maybe having that attachment to a comfort object helps build attachments in the
0: world. With the research is clear on that. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: The relationships are stronger. The connections are deeper. Less shy. More focused. Because it gives you a calm center. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So let's find out from Jen. Tell me about uh, loveys in your world. Hi. Thank
3: you for having me again. Um, okay, so I had a blankie, which my family named the Pee Blob. Pee blob. That's Pee blob. Yes, because it was it was a big yellow blanket, and I used to pee on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get angry. <laughs> when I they think I just blew it. the mic <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is when you were a little kid <laughs> No, I was an adult <laughs> 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 cool.
0: Oh, this Okay, I'm so bad. tell the pee blob story This is so, so good it,
3: it, it, The the blanket actually comes from a set That belonged to my sister It was a pillow and a blanket A small baby blanket My sister kept the pillow But I inherited the blanket And it became my my pee blob I, I mean, it, I took it everywhere I, I have pictures with it and I would get angry when my mom would wash the pee off of it. Mm. So it's I don't like know what smell. psychological <laughs> issue I have, <laughs> but that was my security blanket. I still have it. It has been cleaned. And um, I it's I showed it to Sam, and I explained that I had a blankie too because I'm, I made the mistake of hand-making Sam's security blankie, which is a little tiny thing I crocheted. I crocheted his blanket and pillow and his little blankie, and I had a bunch of them. And when he was a baby, they were all interchangeable. And my mom took a bunch of laundry, I think our washer broke, or she was taking pity on me as a new mom. And she took a bunch of our laundry and she washed a couple of the blankies in her detergent. And that was the mm-hmm. end of those blankies. So now I only have one. Mm. So it's extremely stressful to travel for me because it's handmade I cannot replace it and Sam loves it he loves that I made it Mm because I explained to him that when I make it I put mommy's love and hugs and kisses and so when you're alone and in your bed and you have your blankie you have mommy's love so you put the
1: words with it as soon as you
3: call it blankie he has a blanket and a happy. happy.
1: But, you're, but you're walking on edge a little bit because yes, if you lose it happens, or gets yes, destroyed, yes. I only have one for my for for Nolan. I only have one his one blanket. So if we lose it, I mean we're done. Yeah, we're done. We'll yeah. go to sleep And that's we'll the other reason
2: why I encourage Dylan to only take one or two with her. Because if something were to happen that to them, she has a couple at, at home. But uh-huh. yeah, it's very stressful. And I've seen a lot of people stress out about, you know, where can I replace that teddy bear? Or that, you know, they try to find it online and do all these crazy searches right. to get that replacement. It's stressful. It is stressful. And, and
0: we know that Disney has a million stories of returning these lovies to people. Oh, they take very enormous pride in um, housekeepers, <laughs> cleaning staff laundry staff everyone being on alert to protect and right. return mindful lovies. of that. they are right. it's it's a huge Disney management story uh, in the story repertoire so um, but I also so let's talk for a second since we're here about irreplaceability and and then how we because I guess there's risk to it but there's also the idea of, that will. There's a piece of that object that can't ever be taken away because the relationship is still within you. So, as frightening as it is, he, he, Sam knows if I lose it, I can't replace it. He. It is part of the story. So we take care of it. We you know, take we- care of it. And should you lose it, he will then. Acquire the social emotional tools to manage that. Right. Um, so what I want everybody to know is, sure, if you can have multiples, great. But if it turns out in the story of your family's lives, or a child, or or a grandmother who, you know, if something happens, it's it just makes the story richer, I think. And 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 I want everyone to try to believe in the power of the emotions and the connections and the love to get you through. Well, I can see the the power
3: and the connection because when he goes through those sleep cycles at night and I, I see him on the monitor, when he starts to wake up in the night, I see him reach for it, pull it back into him. He's four. Okay. Um, and he goes right back to sleep.
0: Yeah.
3: So I can, and I mean, he gets, he gets panicky when mm-hmm. he doesn't have it at night, yeah. which is why Blanky stays in bed. If you When you get up in the morning, you can bring Blanky into my bed, but when it's time to go downstairs and start the day, Blanky goes right back mm-hmm. in your bed because Blanky needs to take a nap. Mm-hmm. Blanky stays up with you all night to protect <laughs> you while you're sleeping,
0: and now it's time for Blanky to go to sleep. Perfect, perfect. Wow. So so from everyone else, anything to add about the, the emotional resilience that we can trust in this process?
2: I've seen, you know, um, kids who you know, so, you know, parents are so worried and and anxious about losing it, then it's get lost, you know, but then kids have the coping skills or have their their own tools to either, you know, move on in different ways. And one way is they do find something else to replace it with or parents can't believe that like, you know, you know, but they, they use their own skills, like their own power to either say, I don't need one anymore, whatever, you know, Process they go through internally, or to find something else that they replace it with. Like you know, my my blank is not the original. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I had this little you know my my one as an infant mm-hmm. got so shredded that you know. But I guess I use my own coping mechanisms and decided that I would find another one that would be equally as you know important, or you know, so so like what so, you were saying. So there's different ways for kids, you know, their resilience to, you know, move to process it and move forward in different ways and and make different choices about it. And what I know about everybody
0: at this table is even though you still have the emotional comfort and joy of carrying your objects into your adult life those are not your only tools anymore so life does bring you forward and and they and we do have to go through a period of grief and sadness because your relationship with these objects will change
1: right and and so there's like two things going on here so one it's with conflict, right comes growth, right. So if, if there's a huge meltdown, oh, I hate, you know, you
0: therapists, this whole <laughs> idea of rupture brings repair. I hate that. Right. And, but that, and that but
1: that leads me to the second point is that we try to avoid that at yes, all costs yes. because those emotions that we experience, you know, to see my mm-hmm. child if if I would if I lose the blanket to break down crying in my arms, maybe that night he doesn't sleep or like he doesn't go to bed till like nine ten o'clock or yes. whatever. I want to avoid that at all costs. So, you know, we've done things like uh, we've gone on like safari in the house and searching with a flashlight, you know, looking for it and find it underneath something or um, just try to distract as much as possible. But it's I'm fighting as as hard as he may be fighting, even though it's not my object, but I don't want him to go through that as a parent. Um and that's my avoidance that I've Right. Have you to want to protect
2: with. him from experiencing
0: any sort of negative feelings and emotions. Right. So right. we've got so much happening here because we've <laughs> got the we're trying to release all that anxiety of they're gonna have to get rid of it, they're gonna have to move on, they're gonna have to grow up. We're not saying that. We're saying cherish these objects and we're saying Still, give yourself through that anxiety the the permission to be resilient, resourceful, and capable through the through the trauma
1: and the grief that may come. Well, we get in. I get it. Well, I I get. In, I'll talk for myself. I get enjoyment to see his comfort in that blanket, and we've made it fun. You know, when he was in a crib, I used to throw it up in the air and let it come down like a parachute. And you know, now we'll if he can't find it, I'll say like say abracadabra, and then I'll like throw it up in the air. He's like where did that come from? He's like excited and that's fun. You know, we're connecting.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so as we, as when Michelle talks about losing that object um, or maybe having to say goodbye to it, you know, think about puff, the magic dragon, <laughs> think about outgrowing it. Mm. I know we could all cry. And then everyone, if you haven't seen it, you have to see Disney's inside out movie and we've got bing bong. And when bing bong, mm. Sad and Mr. Mom. Sad. The woobie goes into the vacuum. There you go. I you lost know, like, my woobie. You guys see Mr. Mom, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sob for Bing Bong. You know, I sob and sob and sob. But that's part of the the process and the emotional growth of 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 aging and changing and maturity and knowing that we have the skills.
1: Right, and we're, and we're assuming that if we lose it that emotional breakdown. But like my wife, you know, I would say at this point in her life, the, the Nike is the... Is sort of like in the background a little bit. You know, it's it's not. She doesn't need it. She's not crying if she doesn't have it. That's She's right, not breaking that's right. down. So you know, there's a natural transition. My It's a
0: healthy attachment.
1: Right. I, I gave it up at some point. Um, mine was more of like a material. If I could find something that like uh, that mimicked the material, I was yeah, I was there's, fine. There's,
0: there's a lot the tactile. of tactile, tex-
2: yeah. tactile, textural. You know, they rub it. They put it on. You know, like what kids and and each child get. has to find their own way of interacting mm-hmm. with it. And there's the olfactory part to it. This, yeah. like you're saying, the, the scent and
1: but consciously, I, I remember it just sort of transitioning. Yeah. I mean, not everyone does, and it's not bad or good or whatever. But just my own experience, and and it just transitioned out. Well, and somehow. that's one of the other
0: things that I when I think it, I don't know who was saying. The not it's one of your children is not as attached. Both of A, us, and, or have one kid that's not as attached. So it's I mean, so that's I think that's something else is realizing that you're not in charge of creating. That was my next point. It's important to
3: recognize. I mean, in parenting in general, you want to recognize your child as an individual and not force what you think
0: they need or should they have. need. Yeah.
3: So Sam has his blankie. And Sam is an anxious kid, and he needs it. And Elijah, when Elijah was born, I was begging him to take a blankie, a pacifier, something, and he wouldn't. And um, it took me about six months to figure out what his comfort object was, and it was things that he could hug because he would hug me all the time. Mm. I mean, from six months, that boy Mm. was hugging me, and I figured out, He always loved to like put me in a headlock, and so I would. And so I finally figured out after trying the blankies, and I made them, and I bought them, tried everything. I said, let me put some stuffed animals in there with him. And I mean, it was it was magic. The second I put him in, he put both of them in a headlock, and that was it. That's his. So does he have a special stuffed animal? He's got four. He's got a puppy, a zebra, Pluto, and Jack Skellington. (laughs)
1: <laughs> same, same with same with Nolan. He has a he has a Batman bear from the Build-A-Bear. And uh-huh. We actually put our sound that you can make press the hand. It says like, "Mommy and Daddy love you. We're proud of you." And then he has a cap a pirate Mickey. And he has um, what else does he have? He has like a dinosaur, bear, you know stuffed animal. So he has a combination of those things as well. That they sleep with him, and he has a yeah. Daniel Tiger. <laughs> So. And
0: so there is no
1: formula. There
0: it is, is no part formula. Part of your relationship with your children is right. f- is giving yourself time and permission to to understand them as they're understanding themselves and growing.
1: So we're comforting. They're making their experience, their growth comforting, especially when it comes to bedtime. You don't want to make it comforting and special and peaceful and at least i i, yeah, I do as right. much as i can as and much I, as
0: you can even it, though it's the most chaotic it
1: gets it gets elaborate sometimes and you know like <laughs> other people you know in my family come and they, wow that's a that's an elaborate routine you have but you know it, it's it's enjoyment for me as well i have it's to say it's your connection at the end of the day yeah. admit, I'll, I'll admit that
0: i love it so let's is there anything um to say about um moving children forward in their relationship with their objects. As you said, like in order to protect the objects, we keep them in cars, we keep them in cribs, we keep, you know, we, we split them into four pieces. Or we add, I mean, in my opinion, um, even if you keep your your, your comfort objects, your loveys. Is that around two and a half, three and a half, we will start combining it with new emotional skill building. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when I want the books and the language about what this object is doing for you. Or that question that says, you know, let me help you understand what you need in any given moment when you feel less confident, less safe. Um, So, how have you watched that progression with your children and in your lives?
3: Naturally. I try as much as possible to be a no-pressure parent. I did the same thing with potty training, which it took longer, but I did it when he was ready. And I can see... I, I mean, I have no intention of taking away blankie or any comfort object because I believe that it does give them security to... and the confidence to face the world. And if he needs it, then he needs it. And who am I to take that away from him? But I can see as he's getting older... Blanky and Happy come out of the bed less, and sometimes they get forgotten in my bed or in my bathroom or wherever he has it upstairs. Um, So I I think there will come a day where he doesn't need it anymore, but it's not going to be because I tell him he doesn't need it anymore. It's going to be
0: because he's confident enough to face the world without it. And, and there was an old adage, actually, it was actually for, for connecting with adult learners, and it was never take something away from someone without giving them something in its place. Mm-hmm. And, and that has to be true about mm-hmm. children and comfort objects. Is, and, I, and, I, and the article that we've posted mm-hmm. on Facebook was very much about children get to choose. And our, and our pacifier tree, for example, is you don't say, oh, it's time to give this up at this moment. You say, "Oh, this is here, and this is where children put their pacifiers when they're finished with them, when they don't need them anymore mm-hmm. um, and And that ownership and power again facilitates children making the transitions rather than resistant to it
2: and I, you know to piggyback on what Jennifer was saying, you know, I think it sounds like in this room we've been sort of fortunate enough that our kids have made na- natural transitions and progressions from being you know you know well my kids are now nine and twelve but the nine-year-old who has the more has the the dds the four of them you know when she was an infant toddler brought them with her everywhere she goes to now just sleeping with them at night you know so um so that right there is a natural transition and progression of being able to just have them at night not take them everywhere everywhere she goes and still have that safety security and comfort you know but then I've also seen experience personally and professionally the 9-year-olds who, who who still fight their parents to bring their you know to bring their comfort object wherever they go not leave it in the car when they go into the market but have to bring it into the car not being able to leave it in the crib when they start their day same thing with pacifiers versus you know the parents who fight to not want their kid to have stuck on the pacifier out in public but only to have it at bedtime even or you know those different things there are a lot of struggles with with parenting, of when should they only sleep with it and not take it with them anywhere else? When should they not have it in public but leave it in the car? You know, or, or, you know all these things. Unfortunately, I really um, didn't have those struggles. There was a natural transition of going from you know infant childhood and taking it and
0: me putting it in my diaper bag or leaving it in the car to now just having it at night. And and what I believe, and we'll let Dustin give his perspective on this, is. There's so much in parenting that I feel um, when we talk about natural and respectful and attachment, it's we give children. It's like children are going to do it themselves, and and there's a way to be respectful. I think I think we let them down if we think children are going to. There there is this natural progression, but we are the emotional intelligence partners, we are the guides, we are are the role models, we are the ones that say I believe in you, you are capable Mm -hmm. and here's how you connect dots to emotional growth but I'm not going to steal your stuff away. Mm-hmm. So it's that I it, there's this there's this invisible hand that it does. Children do need emotional skills and competencies, um, but that and that is so much part of learning. So I don't want parents to think, oh, I'm not. I think what everyone at this table has done is been a true emotional guide and partner.
1: So you know, I, I've I've gone uh, through a full transition. I have boys, so I have and and Nolan is is a very vocal, intelligent. Um, he can get obsessive over certain things if he wants to, he may want to play the same game all the time or want, he wants to do baseball all the time and we, we have to direct him. And during the hurricane, we were displaced from our home. We had um, hurricane damage and we had to live at my in-laws for two months. And that was such a difficult period because he went from a kid that slept perfectly, went to bed perfectly, to misbehaving, not going to sleep. And we really struggled with setting boundaries and parenting and, um, you know, how much do we punish or uh, timeouts. And we got the one, two, three magic book. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, And now that we're back in the home, he's, he's, he's gotten back to his old behavior, which we're so grateful for, and he's uh, doing well at school. However, um, he's the type of individual that, that needs some boundaries, and we can't let him go full throttle, otherwise he will cross those boundaries. So with the blanket, we may say, for for logical reasons, you know, like, uh, we don't want to lose the blanket, so let's not take it into the store, or let's not take it in the car today, um, you know, we don't want to get it dirty, or, you know, I may even say the blanket has to can't go to school today Mm -hmm. that's not not not, easy it's it's not easy and I I believe that I I have to the authoritative parenting style does and I hate to be a therapist in saying Mm -hmm. that but you know it does require some rules and boundaries as well as love and support and you know letting them know that we do still want him to have it i I think i make strong efforts to make sure he has his blanket but then also saying that um he he may not have it but make make exceptions like for long trips or if he's going he had surgery on his nose and of course his blanket came with Mm -hmm. him that's a moment where he needs comfort and and support and we recognize those moments Yeah.
0: yeah This this has been everything I've wanted it to be. Um, we're out of time. I want to do the wrap up. Um, how have you got this for yourselves, for your children, um, connecting you know, to to comfort objects, to creating this emotional competence and joy? Just Dustin.
1: Um, well, la- I'll say lastly that I- I'm glad to, s- you know, I- I- we say it's gen- you said it was generational, um, but, you know, it- it's family dynamics, right? We're passing down our dynamics that we held strongly as children to our, our children, and we're passing that along. And I-, I think it's great to hear in this room that we didn't really talk about it, but the anxiety of the fear of being judged by other people Thanks. and— um, not wanting our children to have that judgment. I know in your article, it does talk about how she was made fun of by other kids. And that it, then she found out that those kids had their own uh, comfort uh, item. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we don't have that in this room, but it's, it's important that that we do what's best for us and we don't expect other people and we do things with what are right inside of us not what other people think about us
0: thank you
2: thank you I, I think myself. that goes for everything with parenting you know all, all parenting choices we make it's very easy to compare our parenting skills or styles or um, decisions we make and compare it to what other parents are doing and maybe feel judged or embarrassed or this or that but you know to have confidence and you know, in, in the decisions that we're making for ourselves and our family. But specifically, I'm so happy to be here and be a part of this conversation because, you know, as a uh, 43-year-old woman who's a proud owner of a DD, four of them, <laughs> you know, that, that maybe people listening to this will feel prouder in the decisions that they're making regarding comfort objects and if they have questions or concerns or you know that this will be more open to talk about with their kids with their spouses you know uh, just in in general and, and open the conversation about you know how the importance of comfort objects for kids and adults
0: thank
3: you jen um I don't know. I, I never feel that I have this, but you just try. You just do your best to make the right choices for yourself and for your children. And sometimes that may be putting boundaries on the blankie and where it can go and where it can't go. And sometimes it's it's allowing those boundaries to be crossed when when they when they should be. Right. right. But the point is to give your children the confidence to be who
0: they are. And if who
3: they are is a kid with a blankie, or the skeleton in their bed,
0: then that's who they are. And you love them anyway. Cheers. I love you guys. Thank you so much. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Dearwester, And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at, at FamilyTimeInc. And Instagram at Karen underscore family time. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to The Front and the Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.